On this special edition of the Soundtrack News, we examine the potential impact of AI in the world of music composition. Dane Walker speaks with composer and audio director Steve Pardo about the company Authentic Artist, which is building virtual AI-powered musicians. Welcome to the Soundtrack News for the week of April 11th, 2021. I'm Christopher Coleman. And I'm Dane Walker. The Soundtrack News is a podcast that features recent news from the world of film, television, and video game music, as well as the latest details about new and upcoming soundtrack releases. In this special edition of the Soundtrack News, we have an exclusive interview with game and TV composer Steve Pardo, who also serves as the audio director for a newly announced company called Authentic Artists. Authentic Artists has been in development for quite some time and has only now announced themselves to the general public. They are involved in making AI-generated music for virtual artists that gives fans an interactive experience at controlling how that AI music sounds. Recently, AI-generated music has begun to impact the film-composing world and has become a bit of a controversial topic, causing folks to ask the questions, can computers make good music, and second, can it eliminate the need for humans to compose? Because Steve Pardo has written music for music games that are as diverse as Rock Band VR and also the action role-playing video game Grim Dawn, as well as the fact that Steve has scored for animation and television, the Soundtrack News reached out to Steve to have a discussion about authentic artists and AI music and how it can potentially impact the soundtrack universe. We've divided this interview into two parts that will be presented over two episodes. In this first part, we discuss Steve's background, who Authentic Artist is, and what attracted Steve to his role in the company. Why don't you go ahead and give me a background on you and how you got from, you know, infancy to Authentic Artists. For sure. Um, grew up, you know, probably similar to you or, you know, like most composers in a family surrounded by music. My mom was a piano player, my dad, guitar player. Um, I also played a ton of video games. So that kind of all merged together in me wanting to write music for video games as a career. Um, but anyway, so went to jazz school in Miami, met my wife, made a record, and then uh, got my master's degree in audio production, made another record. Um, and then my brother calls me up and is like, hey, I got a job at Harmonix Music Systems. And I'm like, you mean the people that make Guitar Hero? They're like, yes, the people that make Guitar Hero, but now are making Rock Band. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Can I have a job? And he said, sure, <laughs> let me see what I could do. So he he put like a really friendly note on his boss's desk and, uh, you know, fast forward a few months and me and Amy um, moved down to Boston, moved up to Boston and uh, lived there for 10 years. I worked for, for Harmonix as a, uh, on the audio team for 10 years, became a lead composer sound designer for uh, some notable projects like uh, Super Beat Sports, Rock Band, VR, Dance Central, and through that got really into generative music making through the, through game engines and and you know interactive audio te technology, which I'll, we'll talk more about, I'm sure. Um, while at the same time, you know, kind of finding my place in the world of uh, soundtracks for games and TV. So formed uh, my still running, um, you know, audio company called Skew Sound. And uh, that was around 2014. And uh, while I was still at Harmonix, I was composing a ton for indie games and later TV um, while still uh, kind of audio directing on Rock Band VR and those kind of games.
Three years ago, we decided our kids were getting too big uh, for our two bedroom apartment in Boston. So moved to, moved to Nashville. There's, there's not a lot of game audio here. There's recording. There actually is a big recording scene here for game soundtracks. So that that was like the only thing I knew about the Nashville game audio scene. But I, I thought it'd be awesome to just sort of like plant myself here as a musician, but also as someone that could like bring in my background as game audio, game music, audio tech, music tech, and, and try and, you know, spread the love here through the work that I have and can bring people on. So that's actually been happening um, both through SKU Sound and through Authentic Artists, which we'll talk about. So. I got into uh, authentic artists through SKU Sound. They reached out needing some help with their their V1 audio tech. This is like right when they had just gotten started and they um, heard about me through the grapevine of Harmonics, uh, the community there. And I fell in love with the project. Um, a couple months later, you know, they asked me to, to stay on and I agreed that that would be cool. but. Uh, but the, under a condition that I could still hang out with the SKU Sound guys. So um, kind of have the best of both worlds going on where I'm composing still for games and TV while dedicating, you know, I'll, most of my time to authentic artists um, as audio director for them. Very nice. What is authentic artists? So authentic artists is an AI music company that is um, the, the, the fundamental goal or the product that we're making is virtual artists. Uh, or the easiest way to sort of convey what, what it is, is I'm sure y'all are familiar with Gorillaz, maybe Hatsune Miku, maybe Little Michaela. Um, these, are, these are examples of virtual artists that have ex existed um, in the last 20 years. Um, let, let's take, you know, the Gorillaz, for example. They're, they're essentially cartoon characters that make albums, but the avatars, if you want to call them that, are just these cartoons. You don't ever really know. I mean, you, you can Google it and maybe find out who's behind the scenes making the music, but the, the what's being presented to the audience is these cartoon characters. So that's that's the principle of what we're, what we're doing. Having a new brand of artists, you know, that are sort of be, still being produced behind the scenes through real world producers, real world musicians, myself as audio director, both building technology and looping in artists' signatures, their styles of music, their preferences, their tastes in order to uh, form a generative music-based artist. So that artist can still have albums, they can play shows, all the normal stuff, but one cool piece of our tech and the most, the, probably the most exciting piece of our tech is that it's backed, it's powered by AI. It's powered by machine learning, and uh, there's a potential for sort of like unlimited uh, generative music. One more thing I'll add to what is an authentic artist is, you know, that means that we can power this music in real time, which means that the crowd or the audience or the fans can actually have a meaningful effect on the music that that artist creates. So let's say culturally, the fans that are associated with that given artist want to kind of take it into like an Atlanta hip hop kind of sound. Well, they know that sound better than anyone and can tweak, you know, certain parameters about the drums or the loops or the tempo to sort of fit that and take that artist in that direction because that's where the fans want to take it. Of course, like at the end of the day, the humans behind the scenes and the artists that are powering that, you know, the story of that artist are going to have the most meaningful effect on that. So it's not like we're resigning complete creative control to the, to the audience. But that kind of conversation 
should be relatively organic, which is really hard for artists to, to do. I mean, it's just not really a thing that exists today where there can be this like really fluid organic back and forth between fans and the artists. So it's a lot there. We're just in our early days. We just had our first show and uh, fans loved it. They, they loved it, you know. Uh, the people that were that were there at the show, like we didn't, I, I don't think we got any negative feedback. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was overwhelming positivity. People were having a lot of fun. Now it's just the future. Like, where do we go from here? Um, what are the things we want to do to improve it? Who do we want to work with? All these conversations are just starting to happen. So. So what exactly attracted you to them? Was it just that this was new? Did it merge in your mind the things that you like, the technology aspect, the music aspect, and uh, all of that together? Is that what got you there? And and how do you use that then to draw in the other musicians that you work with? Yeah, I, I'll... So it's a very kind of like, like I said before, a very heavy kind of controversial area, AI generative music. It's It kind of gets... It's scary. It opens up a lot of you know, the doors to, to a lot of like long, heavy conversations. And they're, go they're great conversations to be had and we need to have them. Um, and, but so that's like, that was my initial thing was just like, I don't know, AI music. That's a, I don't know if I want to be associated with that, but, but like what they do and they're the prince, I mean, there's a reason it's called all, all kidding aside, the name of it is authentic artists for a reason. It, you know, that the authenticity is, is sort of the guiding light behind the goal of the company. So um, I, let's just focus on the company itself as like one of the reasons that I was attracted to it. Um, the people, people that I get to work with every day are, have, have massive integrity and are doing this for artistic reasons and to like have this, a I mean, AI music is happening no matter what, right? Like that's just like a reality. It's already happening even outside of what we're doing. It's, it's, it's a reality for the industry. So to be associated with folks that want to do it to make well i mean there's there's a, a financial reason too right i mean we can actually pay musicians <laughs> musicians that well, it's not a secret are having a hard time right now especially like outside of the film and and you know game space you know the, like people that are working in with record companies and trying to make it on spotify the revenue streams are just like hilariously awful so you know the fact that we can be a part of this music community and do the opposite is you know, that's one of the guiding principles of what we do is to actually support artists um, to pay them well. And and if if something takes off, you know, that they're a part of that, um, that part of that revenue stream. Our first partner, who's actually an investor now, is Mike Shinoda. You know, he's the lead singer for uh, Linkin Park, uh, but has done so much since then. His presence on in the music community, on Twitch, um, the music he's made since is like so broad. He's so talented and is driven by all this kind of tech in all the right ways. And he saw that in what we were doing that like, not only from a technological side of things, are we like doing cool stuff? And he got excited about that, but like just the principles, you know? So to, to, to be welcoming in musicians and producers to help us make this cool and for, for them to like, be a part of the of the revenue stream you know I, I i keep saying that because it's important and i think musicians need to hear that like we are doing we're not trying to take work away 
from musicians. It's it's the and sorry. I, I mean, I'm sure we're gonna go there, and I don't mean to like ignore the later conversations, but that is one of the reasons that I, I feel like I can be associated with this and feel good about it. Thank you for listening to part one of our interview with Steve Pardo. Please be sure to tune in next week to hear some information about the technology of authentic artists and Steve's opinion on how this technology will impact the soundtrack universe. This week in our new and upcoming releases, we have four titles for you. The first is Boneyard Alaska by composer Brian Satterwhite, which was released by Nuance Records on April 1st, 2021, and it's available digitally everywhere. Next up is Mortal Kombat, the original score by Benjamin Walfish, which was just released on April 16th, and it also is available digitally everywhere. Next is Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, the original score by Jeff Russo, released by Lakeshore Records on April 16th, 2021, and it's available digitally everywhere. And last up is Thunder Force, a Netflix film, the original score by Phil Eisler. It was released by Milan Records on April 9th, 2021, and you can find it digitally everywhere. Welcome once again to This Week in Soundtrack Podcasts. I'm Eric Woods. Here we tell you everything new about your favorite film, TV, and video game music podcasts. Up first. But even my favorite cue in the whole movie is the Chinese finger trap. And just the intensity oh with that that <laughs> bit of music it was amazing. It was funny. I, I did. I do remember. I tried several things um, that were a little bit more uh, that, that just had a little bit more music to latch latch onto. Um, like it, you know, basically took different stabs at that one to play the comedy in different ways. And uh, what ended up just sticking is just it's just a percussion cue. <laughs> so I mean. Um, that, that one in particular, that you know, it, what really supported the scene there was was just a ton of percussion. <laughs> that was Matthew Wang over at Composer's Talk, chatting with composer Joseph Shirley about his score to Bad Trip, which he co-composed with Ludwig Göransson. Because the weird thing about the score is, as much as it's a noir score, it's like 25% horror in a weird way. There's a lot of really loud percussion noises and things like that. Some of them extremely jarring, like even when watching the film, like I actually like kind of jumped. Uh, so I think it kind of makes sense. Jerry Goldsmith liked to, likes to put his spin on things. And I think in this case, he brought in a little bit of electronica, like he normally does with the Jerry Goldsmith score, and some horror. So that's kind of his take on um, noir. That was a snippet from the Composers podcast. And that was from their most recent episode reviewing the music of L.A. Confidential by Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, there's certain things that I gravitate to. I think the human voice is one of them. I, 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 like, I like to have some sort of singing in all my scores. Um, I think there's, it's just a way to kind of breathe life into, into the score, literally. You know, if, if in, in, in different ways, sometimes it, I sing, other times, a lot of, most of the time I use other vocalists um, to sort of kind of tuck into the mix, even sometimes to, even if it's uh, a subtle way to, 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 to bring some kind of character to the tapestry, to the fabric of the score. That was composer Emil Mazzari talking about the use of voices 
in his scores. That was a snippet from the From and Inspired podcast hosted by Nick Spasic, who interviewed Mazzari on the latest episode of his show. One that is slightly uh, more subtle in the soundtrack is called The Sheng, which I would just suggest to people, if you've never heard a Sheng, S-H-E-N-G, just type it into Google and look it up. And it is this most magnificent contraption of a woodwind instrument. Uh, it's got all these pipes that go vertically. Um, it's it's almost functions like an organ or a set of pan pipes, but they're all arranged vertically and they're all at different lengths. It looks, it looks like no other woodwind instrument that you've ever seen. That was Gareth Coker talking about some of the instrumentation he used on his latest game score to Immortals Phoenix Rising, Myths of the Eastern Realms, on the Music Respawn podcast with host Kate Remington. The way that things are used in this film and edited and and what's used where, and particularly the reuse of the Bond theme repeatedly, just shows how unhappy they obviously were with what they had to work with, particularly Peter Hunt and possibly as well the director as well, that they just really weren't happy with what they had from the Jamaica sessions and probably the London sessions as well in terms of creating that spy atmosphere that they wanted. And so that James Bond theme does all of that and some so why not just keep using it and of course the end benefit is that it's then made it iconic for the whole of the rest of the series though that's not obviously the reason they did it then and there i think they just use it because they literally had no choice because none of the other stuff created the, the the atmosphere that that did that was from one of the newest podcasts on the block called scory time with hosts jason frederick warren ringham and gerge hubai They are only three episodes into their new show, and that was a snippet from their latest episode featuring the music of Dr. No. Holly Amber Church weaves a wonderful symphonic score with striking strings and cooled out ambient sections that all expertly raise the tension and edge of this movie. This is my first score from Church, but she has 70 composer credits and has been dubbed the Scream Queen of Scoring. But this is her first score on vinyl. This is a limited edition of 150 copies, and that is a crazy low number. And get this, the first 50 were signed by the director and by Holly Amber Church. That was from the vinyl score in a sub-themed episode called 99 Seconds, where David, the host of the program, uh, covers a soundtrack in just under 100 seconds. And from that clip, which is on YouTube, that was David talking about Holly Amber Church's score to Open 24 Hours, which has received a limited edition vinyl release from Note for Note Music. And finally. That is correct. That is very correct. And the way that came about was that a bunch of my music was temp-tracked into Goldeneye by a very famous uh, British film editor who you probably may have met over the years named Terry Rawlings. Just a giant in the industry and an incredible guy. And I had never met him, but he had temp-tracked probably 30 or 40 minutes of my music into Goldeneye. That was Robert Polk talking about how he almost got to score the 1995 James Bond picture Goldeneye on my very own podcast, Cinematic Sound Radio. It's a very interesting story, and you're going to want to hear the whole thing. And Jason Drury interviews Polk for the show. And that's it for this week in Soundtrack Podcasts. I'm Eric Woods. See you next week.
Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Soundtrack News. You can find all episodes at SoundtrackNews.com. Please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And do take a moment to leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is co-produced and co-hosted by me, Christopher Coleman. And you can follow me on Twitter at C. Coleman. And co-host and co-producer Dane Walker. You can follow him at Maestro Dane. If you have soundtrack or composer-related news, you can send it to thesoundtracknews at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at Soundtrack News and on Facebook. Thank you for listening to this episode of Soundtrack News. We look forward to bringing you more news next week. <laughs>